And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that have never borne and the breasts that have never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right, and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. People have been coming together like we have today for about 400 years to meditate on Christ's last words. The seven phrases that we'll hear today are scattered among the four Gospels. They come most heavily from John and Luke. But in these short phrases, we hear the Gospel encapsulated. We come to understand who Jesus is. We see him as both fully God and fully human. We find great mercy in the words of our creator become human. We experience his love for us in such a visceral way as we recount the story of his crucifixion. But we also feel shame and horror, realizing that the one who makes all things new is dying because of us because of our brokenness, our incompetence, our sin. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Last weekend, I led a big event for the diocese. We brought 70 people together to work with Pittsburgh Project to help vulnerable homeowners with home repair. It was the first time I'd led this event, and I did not know what I was doing. In fact, I made some pretty big mistakes, including not having a plan for lunch. I thought I had a plan for lunch, but I didn't double-check, and so at 10.30 in the morning, I realized I had 56 teenagers and 14 adults scattered all over the city of Pittsburgh, working very hard with no food. Now what, huh? I mean, hungry teenagers are not to be trifled with. Well, thankfully, we have a wonderful bishop. I called him, and he very calmly said, Tracy, don't worry. I'll give you my credit card. Just buy everyone pizza. 
I also have a hugely understanding husband who used all his skills from lift driving to, to deliver 20 pizzas to houses from Mount Oliver to Homestead. And he did it all by 1 o'clock. I was so grateful, but I was also embarrassed. I don't like appearing incompetent. I don't like letting others know that I make big mistakes, sometimes big mistakes that involve a lot of other people. Admitting that we don't know what we're doing. Admitting that we make mistakes and hurt other people. Admitting even sometimes we hurt other people on purpose. Who wants to do that? So much of our lives is spent covering up our embarrassment and hiding our shame, but frankly, that's time spent crawling around in the mud trying to put lipstick on a pig. We might get that lipstick on the pig, but now we're covered in mud. We can't hide from our sin. Jesus' first words from the cross tell us we don't have to hide. He looks down from the cross and sees the soldiers that are gambling for his clothes, the religious leaders that are hurling insults at him, and the backs of his fleeing male disciples. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He sees their sin, and he loves them anyway. In the historic story of the crucifixion, we see the whole gamut of sinfulness, from incompetence to calculated cruelty. These words are found in Luke's gospel. Luke sets the scene for us just before this reading. He tells us that Pilate, the Roman ruler, was hesitant to call Jesus, to kill Jesus, He called together the chief priests and the rulers, and he tried to reason with them. He said, Nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man, and crucify him, crucify him. Again, Pilate tries to convince them to release Jesus, but they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. The scene is one of an angry crowd crying out for the blood of an innocent man and a weak ruler, too afraid of the people to do what is right. And what is Jesus' response to this murderous anger and cowardice? Forgive them, Father for they know not what they do. The religious leaders were only part of the crowd that was reviling Jesus. There were also the Roman soldiers gambling for his clothes and throwing out insults as he hung there in agony. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And still, Jesus' response is, forgive them, Father. Jesus offers grace and forgiveness and asks nothing in return. 
He doesn't demand anything from those who have put him on that cross. He even offers forgiveness to the ones full of murderous rage, to the ones full of power-hungry cowardice, even to the ones who drove the spikes through his body. If the Son of God can forgive even these, why do we think we're beyond forgiveness? Why do we try to hide and cover up our incompetence and our sin? Why do we continue to carry the heavy burden of shame when our Savior has promised us his burden is light? Hanging in agony on the cross, Jesus' focus is still on you, his beloved child. He calls to you with mercy and forgiveness. You need only accept it.